When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Carlton Blue. My name is Dan Roets. I'm joined once again for the final time in the US of A by John Townley, live from the press box in Maryland. Is it Maryland? Maryland? I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. I've probably embarrassed myself. But John, how are you? How's things? Yeah, good, thank you. Bit of a rush, uh, the post-match stuff. I only just finished speaking to you and I, so um, yeah, just gathering my thoughts now, really. I would show you around the press box, but I don't think I'm allowed to. It's a huge stadium. Like, Can we have a quick glimpse? So this is just the a bit of an area okay. which shows nothing um <laughs> but the the actual press box and stuff is more that way and whatnot so yeah i hadn't, hadn't had my lunch till about three o'clock because i didn't put the food out till um till the game finished and obviously i've got to get away to do the press conference and stuff so we've got a full belly and i'm ready to do the podcast i mean we always do a food update don't we so let's get out let's get that out of the way quickly as well what was it what was the food in the usa press boxes i had some rice and some chicken uh which is chicken, standard of course yeah, but this time it was free. That was really nice. I had seconds as well. They had like a curry thing too. So nice. I'm not sure what I ate, but I was so hungry that it just went down me. So I'm going to go back for thirds as well and probably stash <laughs> it before I go back tomorrow. Uh, we'll have a bit of a general chit chat towards the end about like, the, the tour coming to a close and, and like the you know things to come in the rest of pre season. Obviously, yeah. we're here today to talk about Aston Villa three, Brentford three. Villa's second to three all draw of the of the summer pre season yeah. series thing, which. I'm not quite sure what's happening with the Chelsea game at the moment, but Villa could theoretically still win this trophy thing, which would not be cool. unless Not unless Fulham turned around 2-0. Oh, is it? Okay, time. fair enough. Yeah. We're recording this at almost 9 o'clock on Sunday night. I'm hoping this will be out ASAP, by the way, because we're going to kind of try and keep this pretty quick. You're obviously still, as people watching, will be able to see in the press box and you'll get kicked out at some point, so let's kind of get through this. Just talk me through the game and your general thoughts then. Uh, I thought, despite conceding three goals and it looking like, oh, we'll have conceded three goals again. We've played some good football there today, haven't we? And, and that's nice to see. Very similar to, the, well, literally the same as the Newcastle game away, because it yeah. finished three all two. But my thoughts after that were really positive because Villa, Villa had some really good spells um, where they attacked well, they controlled the game well. And I think everything that we said about Newcastle, you could probably say for... Um, for Brentford this afternoon or this evening, depending on where you watched it. A lot of positives, oh, clearly some teething problems with how um, we've set up. Ultimately, I think the Silver's goal was a stunning goal. We can see the penalty, which is, you know, and then... It can happen, can't it? <laughs> yeah, and then, again, it's not ideal, but Lewis, is his name Lewis Potter? I was about to say Harry Potter. Kane Lewis Potter <laughs> um, hits the crossbar from, uh, from range as well, and then it falls to their player. So, yeah. What I would say is that Villa weren't carved open at any points, whereas we're doing the carving open. We're, mm. we're, we're carving open other teams, if that makes sense. So I think we're in a good position heading into the final two games of pre-season. Um, these games have been really positive. Brentford are a team who are really well organised. Emery, respect, Emery respects them a lot. And um, they're so quick on transitions as well. So they were happy for us to knock the ball around, whereas Newcastle were more... more um, you know, stepping onto us, trying to. So we've played a variety of different teams uh, from the last three games at least. So obviously, Walsall first, and then you've got 
um, Lazio and Valencia, two completely different teams again. So I think we'll be in a good place come uh, St. James's Park in two weeks, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it's also interesting the kind of parallels to the first Newcastle game and the, the first post-match show we did where you said that the water break was kind of pivotal for Villa being ahead <laughs> yeah. in the game and could have pushed on to be 3 or 4-0 and the water break kind of disrupts that. It was the opposite in this game this evening. I was watching it on Sky and they had you know, all the cameras around at half-time and they were going in on Thomas Frank's like mini team sort of thing and he got his yeah. tactics board out and whatnot and it all went to, to pot after that really with Villa coming back after and scoring three goals after yeah. being two down. Uh, I wanted to see Unai's side of those things. I wasn't really bothered about Thomas Frank, although, as you said, I kind of do respect Brentford and, and Frank's a good manager as well. But ultimately, it's like we've said in each of these so far, Walsall, Newcastle, Fulham, and then this evening, it is still just about fitness. And as much as conceding three goals is slightly annoying, you know, one of those is, is a wonder goal and one is deflected off the crossbar, which could have been a wonder goal in itself. I don't think there's too much you can can read into it massively. It's the first one, isn't it, that I suppose is the one that we could look into more so than the others, that it's a ball through the hot Villa's high line. I don't know, it's along the floor over the top, but Villa kind of get caught out by that a little bit. Um, and the penalty was clumsy, probably, from concert. A, a pre-season challenge, I would put it, put it down to. I don't think he's that kind of player, generally yeah. speaking, but... Coming together, it's a penalty, whatever. Martinez is usually good at saving them, didn't on this occasion, and, and that's not really the point here. It's that Villa possibly are susceptible to being punished by this high line, but the rewards that come from playing that way will outweigh the odd goal that you concede from it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I think Brentford are one of the best teams in the league on transition as well. They've, they've mm. got a lot of quick players. Sharda, obviously, who wins the penalty, and Wemo is rapid. So... That's why they were happy for Villa to sort of play in front of them, um, which again is good for us because it's just a different, it's a different test. And yeah. Villa were building up in a three today with Pau Torres obviously playing left back, but it, it was a back three when we were in possession and camped in their half for most of the game. Being asked to deal with those problems, that's fine. If we have to do a wear penalty in this preceding game, so be it. it. It teaches us a lesson for for when we play teams like Brentford again next season or if we're in those same situations. Yeah. So. No problem with it for me. Um, yes, it's uh, every goal. Every goal is avoidable when you're Unai Emery. <laughs> so he'll look at that and analyse it. And he said after the game that he's looking forward to sort of getting through this um, analysis of the game because it's going to teach him different things. And as I say, he respects Brentford quite a lot. And um, yeah, I think overall it's a good. Um, it was a good game to play. And there's different parts of it that he'll look at and we'll learn from it. And that's what you need from these games. Let's talk talk to me a little bit about Pau Torres then, kind of that left back, back three hybrid, whatever you want to call it as. When we were talking in well, in pre-season, I guess, about who's going to play at centre-half, we're now stacked with Mings, Kansa, Pau Torres and Diego Carlos, which two goes into four. Have we seen possibly a solution there this afternoon? There's something that we could do going into next season as well, playing this kind of makeshift back three system? Yes, I think it's probably more so that we'll see it with Conte playing as a right-back because Alex Moreno, I think, is so important to how we play. And mm. yes, he wasn't there today, obviously, and that's why we saw Torres trial in that position as Conte was previously. But we know Conte can do that role well and Pau Torres was fine today. Um, but I just don't think he'd drop uh, Moreno over Cash. Good experiment and he'll take something from it. But I can't see that's something that they'd be doing too much next season. But the game is... Premier League teams, you know, with every passing minute, uh, managers are changing the tactics and stuff. So Villa can do that. 
with 10 minutes to go against Crystal Palace at home. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like every, um, every margin counts next season. So if that's something we can do, then then it's uh, it's worth trying in games like this. Yeah, I, I would quite like us to try and do some kind of like in-depth, it probably won't be me doing it, but somebody with a better understanding than me, do like an in-depth kind of tactical look at Villa's makeup now with the squad that they've got. Because you look through the first team today and, the, and the, the, the depth that is now available on the bench, almost forgetting that Moreno and Jacob Ramsey are nowhere to be seen and John Durant is still at Modern Heath as well. Villa have got so many options now and can play in a, a different manner of positions that players can shift across them and cover a couple of spaces. JRB could play off the right-hand side or he could play the second striker role that he did with Watkins this afternoon. Jacob Ramsey comes in and plays off the left. Jadon Philogene has, has had a kind of breakthrough pre-season so far and you would probably expect him to stick around as well. I don't know whether Emery discussed that this afternoon or not. Uh, it would be... Slightly strange to me for him to have started three preseason games and then be loaned out, but you know you never know these things do happen. But yeah. you'd suspect he would possibly have a role to play next season as well. And you look at that that core group now of seventeen, eighteen, maybe, and think it doesn't just give us eleven players to fit into a, a four-two-three-one and be kind of rigid. And you've got two players for there and two players for here. It's Villa can mix and match and do a range of things now, and I think that's very important and will be something that we see quite a lot of over the course of what could be a 50 plus game season yeah that's crucial and again this is why we're doing these games because Emery can try different things and he's already mentioned a few times that the playing different players in different combinations different positions that's um, that's what he wanted out of this and obviously he was asked in the press conference what are his thoughts overall uh, from the pre-season and he mentioned that it, you know the best thing about it was that he could try all different things but also use different players because Yes, he already knows how John McGinn's going to play and Tara Mings, but it's also using, as you say, Dan Phil Jean. He's, he said uh, yesterday, I asked him about him in his pre-match, and he said that he's been pleasantly surprised by him. Um, yeah, of words, words to those effects. Villa have had offers for Phil Jean, and I don't doubt that he was probably expecting to leave the club. Um, but once you're given an opportunity, because I presume because Leon Bailey is, uh, wasn't available from the start mm. of the um, pre-season, you've got to take it. It's... Similar in a weird way to when I remember when Jacob Ramsey had a free run at um, the number 10 position. I think Jack Grealish was missing a couple of years ago. Maybe it was to do with the Euros or something. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But he had three or four games where it was that was his position and he was going to play in those games. And if he impressed, then Smith was always going to play him. And that's exactly mm. what happened. It feels similar for Philogene. He's had an opportunity. Yeah. He's impressed whether he's taken it or not. I presume he has because Emery has been impressed by him. And he, he fits a role as well. He's... I don't know quite how to word it, but he's not just a tricky winger. He might, reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, when Victor Moses played like right wing back for Chelsea. Yeah, like, yeah, a, yeah. A, a team that's like littered with stars, but then he performed a function that just worked mm. really well. I'm not saying that Philogene is going to play right wing back or things like that, but he. No, I think he, that's a good comparison. He, that's a good shout. But he performs a role that is just very useful and he can do different things. And those, mm. he's not a utility man, nothing like that, but for whatever he wants, he knows he can. Well, he doesn't know if he can trust Villa to do it in the Premier League yet, but in this um, in this preseason, he's, he's proved that he's he can uh, he can fulfil um, a different sort of uh, role. So I think he should be staying around. Yeah, I saw somebody on social media say that for Emery, it's not so much about what player can play in a certain position; it's what attributes they bring to the side. And if yeah. somebody offers something slightly different, it doesn't really matter how old you are, or how much money the club paid to bring you in. If yeah. you offer something to an Emery's eleven for that specific game, you in. And, it, yeah, and that's and kind we, of how it should be, really. Yeah, and we saw um, last season Emery was a bit reluctant to use the youngsters, but that wasn't because he didn't fancy you know, bringing them in. It, it's because in that point in the season, Villa were going for something and 
again, every margin counts and could he afford to have brought a youngster in who's sort of learning on the job? Not really. Philogene is doing it in pre-season and he's already had um, a year and a half in the Championship with Stoke and then for the full season with Cardiff last season. So he's he's adapted and he's, he's mature to men's football now. Um, mm. So I think there's definitely a role for him to play and he's included him and he's, you know, he's, again, he's, I presume he's taking this opportunity, um, at least from the outside. And there'll be other players who in the coming seasons, next next summer, Emery will give them the chance to do it. For example, uh, if Aaron Ramsey's sent out on loan this summer because mm. he's injured for the next two weeks, which is a bit of a shame for him. But then that'll be his opportunity to do it potentially. And for those players, they have to take the chance when it arrives. And I think Phil James uh, done just that. Mm. There's a couple more individuals I want to talk through from this game, specifically before we move on to the kind of wider picture. John McGinn looks... I, I, yeah, I, was, I say he's like he's improved. He was very good at the back end of last season as well. The second, well, since Emery came in, let's say that John McGinn has been very good. I feel like he's elevated his game a little bit again, since, even since the back end of last season. If he continued to to improve in the way he does, he looks a magnificent player now, and, and the player that we thought he could have been going back a couple of years ago. You know, John McGinn being this fifty million pound midfielder under Emery, he can he can really kick on, can't he? I think. Yeah. I asked him specifically, um, asked Emery, sorry, specifically about his pressing as well, because I noticed that mm. uh, we all know what John McGinn gives you off the ball, um, on the ball, sorry. Uh, he'll put his backside into the opponent and he'll roll them. Like I'll start with on the ball. So when Villa uh, were trying to move the ball around today, obviously Brentford sat deep, which allowed, um, or sorry, which prevented Douglas Louise and Kamara from pinging balls left to right and things like that. It was very short mm. and quite intricate, which yeah. is fine because you've got a player like John McGinn who can take the ball and just roll someone and he's direct. He, sometimes it can look like possession for possession's sake, like you're keeping the ball, sorry, for possession's sake. Um, but with John McGinn, it's, he's got a plan to take players yeah. out of the game and then he's got quality as well. Obviously, assisted Mike Cash today. Yeah, outstanding footballer and he's playing in a role that, suits his game down to the ground but out of possession I asked Emery about his pressing because there was uh, he obviously nicked the ball in the first half and Watkins tried to take it round his touch was mm. too too heavy um, yeah. but he said that uh, McGinn's pressing was excellent and that he obviously needs other players around him to help too but when you've got someone like McGinn who knows when to initiate it and and won't give that ball up as well because the last person you want behind you is either Ollie Watkins or John McGinn if you're uh, receiving a, a a ball in your own box, um, you know, back to goal. So, yeah, he performs a key function for Emery. And I've, sometimes you see uh, on like Twitter and stuff like, oh, this this would be my lineup for the next season. And I'm not knocking anyone's opinion. John McGinn's one of the, it has to be one of the first names on the team sheet. I don't care who, I agree, yeah. who Villa are linked with, and half the time it's false information anyway. But if it is a fancy Portuguese player or a Spanish player or whoever, and you think, oh, well, you know, you have to play him in. John McGinn's there, and he's one of our best players. and Whatever success we have next season, if we do, he'll be a major part of that. It's key that he um, that he's given the license to continue doing what he's doing. I've got a really loud ping in my ear then from a text from my mum. What does she say? Just checking you're okay. Yeah, literally that. Thanks for tuning in, uh, Mrs. Townley. Um, <laughs> another individual I want to talk about very quickly is Musa Diabe. Two goals in two preseason games for him looks like he's settled in very well already. And like we said in the post Fulham show, having that danger of raw pace is. Very dangerous, isn't it? And it, it <laughs> I like, I love a player with pace, and I feel like we've not had that for. Well, when was the last time we had a player with genuine pace like he did? Well, I'd, I'd probably say Leon Bailey, but Diaby is. Well, for five minutes, yeah. <laughs> but Diaby is. Um, there's, he's, he's quick with the ball. Like he knows exactly mm. what he wants to do with it. And inte- Honestly, like quick, winger, intelligent as well. Like he yes. knows what he's about to do as well. That, that's yeah, a, like yeah. an under um, underappreciated trait as well. 
a winger, as everyone always says, a winger is probably the most frustrating position or player in, in world football because because it's it can often be like head down, running nowhere, sort of Adama Traore um, style, beating, loads, of, beating yeah. loads of players, no end product, but just kick Diaby, it and run. Yeah, the has got a mix of different things, and the overall point is that the guy's quality. Like mm. he's got serious quality. He shifts the ball, beats a player, and he'll find a bottom corner, or he'll put the ball across the box where Watkins will hopefully tap in. It's like every game next season, I expect him to have a moment which either creates a goal or he scores yeah. a goal. And I don't know if the stats he was well up there with goal creating actions in the Bundesliga and you know all, all those metrics. So to have that ability, but then adding the pace, which is the hardest thing to defend, that's everything for Villa. And if players are terrified of Musa Diaby. But then you've got Ollie Watkins running behind you. Exactly, you got, yeah. Then you've got John McGinn, then you've got a Buende or a Jacob Ramsey, or, you know, it's the, honestly the position that Villa are in now. Um, in terms of how you look at their squad, 1 to 11, it's, um, it's a serious, serious problem for every Premier League team apart from Man City. Yeah, I'm going off on a, a slight tangent here because we'll, we'll be doing something similar soon, hopefully. But kind of every year we do like a big season preview, don't we? Where we all get together and we go through our who's going to be top scorer and where we're going, Villa going to finish and those kind of general chit chat things ahead of the season. And this time last year we were talking about how do we get the best out of Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings together? And we did how many goals will those two score? And we we're all kind of being fancyful and going mm, 30, 35, 40. With hindsight, you think, well. It, it doesn't work, does it? Because those two couldn't really play together. The kind of attacking options you mentioned there are obviously very good as a kind of, I don't know, five or six different options. But if they are playing the way they are playing at the moment and it's Watkins and DRB as a two, and when we're doing these videos, when we're saying how many how many goals will they score between them, regardless of whether Villa bring anyone else in throughout the remainder of the window, definitely not mention Cameron Archer, by the way, they could be a lethal, comp- a lethal partnership, DRB and Watkins, that they feel like... 40 goals between them, maybe. Yeah, and it's it's all those players combined because, yes, Diaby's supporting Watkins, but as Emery mentioned after the game as well, McGinn and Diaby, their relationship was key because, mm, yeah, yeah. you know, one will go, um, sorry, one will drop for the ball, Diaby will usually run in behind or McGinn will be stretching space. Different combinations and stuff that Diaby, you know, this is his second game and, yes, it's pre-season, but you can already tell that some of the um, partnerships that he's forming on the pitch Mm. Uh, look, looking really good, and if you're blending all that together, and it works, and it works in the final third for Villa, as I say, that's a serious problem for every Premier League team because I don't know how you can really combat that. If, if you if you drop deep because the RB's too quick, but well, then you've got Douglas Lewis picking out passes, Kamara, McGinn, um, Ramsey, <laughs> Watkins. There's so much talent off the bench, Teal or whoever's starting Tielemans, Buendia, Bailey. There's so much there, Archer. Mm. Like. All of us, yeah, really. Yeah, we're. I think we're hitting. Um, we're hitting the season with a group of players who are, you know, touch wood, no injuries. But there's some serious options there, and mm. it's not just it's not just names on the team sheet like as we said before, Danny Ings, Watkins. We were all kind of just hoping that because they've scored goals previously, or yeah, Danny Ings yeah. scored. But, but is it going to work? I think everyone knew it probably not because you have to play two up front, and we never did. And when we did, then it was at the deficit of other things. So we have a. Uh, an 11 now that all seems to link together it's now just putting into practice on the pitch and the early signs are that Diaby is certainly doing that and again similar to McGinn if Diaby's playing well Villa are probably going to score at least one goal in the game and you'd back them to keep clean sheets as well I know that's a bit ironic after we've considered three against Brentford <laughs> yeah. but um, spoke to Emery after the game about that are you you know you, you're probably not concerned there was a period last season when we conceded three to uh, City four to Arsenal four to Leicester and that was before we, Villa went on that 10 match unbeaten run when they 
what conceded, I don't know, four goals, I think, from open play in like 11 games. So Emery knows how to fix things. And again, the reason for the defensive deficiency is uh, um, trying new things. And to be mm. fair, Brentford were just very clinical. To end then, we're going to do the winners, the losers of pre-season and, and one to watch. We've still got two games left. You almost kind of feel like we've come to the end of the US tour with you know the season starting kind of next week obviously the championship starts next week but there's still Lazio and Valencia for Villa to get through yet so let's go for winners first and who's come out of this this US tour as kind of the winner of it so far would you say the obvious one is obviously Phil Jean um, mm. yeah. I think that's the number one candidate as we've mentioned previously he's, um, he's taken an opportunity and hopefully he'll be in the squad next season because he can just do a role that Emery probably didn't even think that he needed or think mm-hmm. that for the gym could have um, fulfilled. But I'd say Diaby as well, because he's come in, obviously he didn't play the Newcastle game, he's only played twice. I'd say he's a winner because he's already fitting with his teammates and he's already made an impact. You know, if yeah. Diaby came in and, and he played 45 minutes against Newcastle and played 45 minutes today and, you know, did a couple of nice runs and, you know, nearly scored or something, we'd all be like, oh, he's, you know, he looks good. He scored twice. He's set up or should have set up a couple of goals in that time. Uh, he looks clinical. He looks lively. He, he's clearly fit. He's played. What did he play today? Mm-hmm. 60 minutes, maybe 70. He's been here for a week. <laughs> he hasn't even been to Bodymore Heath yet. He's just getting into the USA and just hit the ground running straight away. And again, I know it's pre-season, but these players need confidence. And it looks mm-hmm. like he's got confidence um, heading into our next two pre-season games. But we're only, as you say, a fortnight away now. So, yeah, hopefully he can get into Bodymore and continue to... Um, work hard and take on Emery's uh, demands. Next section then is the losers of the US tour, and it sounds a little bit hard. Yeah, I'm not asking <laughs> you to throw anybody under the bus at all, but somebody who maybe has missed out from from the tour, possibly, or somebody you had high hopes for, and they've not maybe had a, a great game or any injuries or anything like that. There's, there's nothing off the top of my head I can think of. Is there anyone you can think of as the loser of? I said that's so weird. As the loser of preseason before the tour, if I refer to that, I, I I did a piece on the five players who kind of have something to prove, I suppose, and I put Coutinho in there because. I just think it's a bit of a crossroads for him now and mm. with Jacob Ramsey not being um, available for the first month first, first month first month of the season or so that like it was for Philogene was a big opportunity for him to kind of stake a claim and he missed the first game through injury which you know might not be his fault I don't think he did too much to influence the game against um, Fulham and then today he was a bit passive as well and I fully understand that he, you know if he's coming back for an injury then he's got a sort of works way back in but so I'm I'm putting him on putting him on hold at the moment if he plays well against mm. Lazio and Valencia which I'm sure he can do then I'll take him off but um it just seems a bit harsh to say lose but it's yeah, I, yeah. I, but but for him personally he'll he'll probably think well we're well Villa have now four out of their six games done in pre-season and he's nowhere um closer to earning mm. a starting shirt and the two I was going to suggest are along the same vein with Cameron Archer and, and John Duran just again, not through any fault of their own. John Durand's injured and still not not featured for us yet. And it was kind of like it was kind of like if he was involved in this US tour, would he have played minutes? Yes, undoubtedly. If he scores a goal or something, we're all talking about John Durand as maybe he's an exciting one to look out for. But we just haven't seen him, and that, and that's a little bit annoying. Cameron Archer as well, obviously not scored. He missed that penalty. That was like the chance for us to go. Oh yeah, Cameron Archer scoring goals. Like here we go. Misses that ball. The penalty is a good save to be fair, rather than that he missed it. Um, but he's another one that you know. It's like the manager will say things like, oh, we'll have a good look at them in pre-season. And we've had that with, with Philogene. We've had a good look at him. He started three games. We haven't really had a good look at Cameron Archer. And we wanted to. And I think, his future is yeah. not going to be judged on that. But as a winner or loser of the US tour, Cameron Archer hasn't <laughs> think, done what we would like him to have done. 
Yeah, he mentioned that his overall game against Fulham, which is obviously the one that he started, was very good, Emery. Mm. Uh, and he also referenced Middlesbrough as well. He, he clearly paid quite close of attention course, yeah. to what he was doing. Um, as he should. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I asked him as well in Florida about uh, Duran and Archer, and he said that, that Villa needs to keep them both. Mm. Uh, and they've got roles to play next season. So, yeah, I feel like the ones on, who were on trial might have been Philogene, Aaron Ramsey, potentially Seb Revan. I don't know. I mean, there's obviously League 2 interested in him, getting him on loan, so that's probably not the case. And a couple of, a couple of the other lads are probably too young to have an impact in the Premier League. You're looking at Amari Kellerman, who did very well, Caden Young, who we all know too. So, I don't think I've missed any youngster out there, I don't think. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, the last thing I wanted to talk about. <laughs> it's been a long week, hasn't it? Well, I'll let you off. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention was like one to watch for the rest of pre-season. Like I said, there's two games left for Villa yet before the before the Premier League kicks off. We talk about Lazio being on the Thursday, yeah, best got, and then Valencia being in Spain uh, on the Saturday. Is that being like very close, uh, like two fixtures in quick succession? Yeah. Thursday, Saturday, rather than like the Europa League and Premier League would be Thursday, Sunday. But it's not like we're playing Kiddy and Hereford on the same day and there's two squads <laughs> going to two, de- two, two different places. It could be that the whole squad goes to both. I, mean, I don't know whether you know different, but it could be that there's a, a group of players that maybe play the one game and another group of players that play the other as a, as a possibility. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I don't know. It could be that everyone goes to both. Like I said, it's not all on the same day. Um, but if you had to pick out one player who you're kind of excited to go and see at the best guy or to, to watch it in Valencia, it's like... Best guy. <laughs> I know, yeah, actually at the best guy. It sounds mad, doesn't it? Is it somebody like Coutinho where you, you, you want to be proved whether that you want them to kind of prove you wrong a little bit or is it just like hey, I love Douglas Louise I can't wait to see him again I mean I'll, I watch Douglas Louise and Mr Diaby all those guys for you know that's it's a privilege to do that but to kind of flip it I suppose I'd say um, what am I interested in seeing I, I'd, I'd say the, um, the like building up from defence Emery's clearly putting a big focus on that and I think it's very interesting that he's done the kind of building from three at the back against uh, Fulham and Brentford so Clearly, he has a plan in place for that. And yes, Villa only play only play six games, but at the same time, each one of those games is very precious. And if he's trying something, he clearly sees something and clearly wants to change something. So mm. at the moment, we are having team problems with that. So I'd like to see how that plays out um, in the coming weeks because we've only got two games left. So whatever, yeah. whatever Emery does now in the coming weeks uh, or the coming week will probably impact what we do against Newcastle because I highly doubt that the game that we play against Valencia or Lazio, which, as you say, Dan, might be two different teams. Um, whatever they do there, I'd be surprised if then the following week against Newcastle, we then just revert to what we were doing. I mean, or maybe we will. Emery's, he can, you know, he can coach anything he wants, really. In terms of, he can put ideas into his players and they'll, and they'll fulfil those demands. So, we'll see how it goes. But I'm mainly interested, yeah, in seeing how we build up and how that sort of free at the back dynamic works. Hmm. You've seen... You know, Diabe come in and score two goals as a, as a new signing. You've interviewed Tara Mings. You've done press conferences with Unai Emery. You spoke to El Mohamedou, of course. Our kind of top secret interview came out a couple of days ago, which yeah. was very good. Uh, we've seen the new White Away kit launched, which is also very nice. As we can't, so we've not even mentioned today, scored an absolute world. Yeah. It's been a good week or so, hasn't it? Have you uh, had a good time? I have, yeah. Um, last night was a bit rogue, though. I had critters all over the floor. It weren't fun. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. not good. Critters? Do you mean like cockroaches and stuff? I don't know what they were, mate, but I didn't like them. But yeah, no, I'm just saying I'm on four hours of sleep because of that. I, I don't like uh, anything okay. that moves, and they kept coming. Like it weren't, it weren't fun, and I've got to go back there tonight. So anyway, um, yeah, really enjoyed my experience overall, though. <laughs> um, 
that's a clip of the social. I said before, it's like obviously a privilege to do this and uh, to have fans stop you in the supermarket and, and at the bars and stuff saying, you know, thanks for hard work and that. It's like it, I've always said, it's not a chore and it won't be a chore to cover Villa wherever. Um, so, yeah, complete privilege and thanks for everyone for their support. Uh, mm. it, it means a lot to us and obviously to me as well. It's like home away from home when there's loads of Villa fans around and they're all yeah, sort of yeah, take yeah. you in and it's a really, you know, really friendly and the Villa uh, team as well. Unai has been like a top professional to work with as well. I know I've only been here for a week, but I've spoken to him quite a lot. Spoken to Tyrone Mings and John McGinn, but they've all been class. Like what you see um, from Emery, like when they do the uh, recordings and stuff, you know, after the games, and everyone says, "I, oh, he's so brilliant and represents the club so well." It's exactly how you find him walking around the stadium, doing any of that. Really. Um, really positive and friendly person, as is the rest of his team as well. His personal assistant mm. Damian. So, yeah, like a really nice um, group of people, and that's reflected across the fan base as well. So, really positive experience, and I don't know where I'll be going next year if I go anywhere. Right, John, that's it. The end of the pre-season tour in the USA for you. You're heading back to the UK tomorrow. Tuesday is like our designated slot for another Claret and Blue podcast video. So we'll either record something fresh if you've had more than four hours sleep. Uh, and if any news has happened, of course, we'll react to it. If not, there is a video ready and primed to go on the channel already, uh, listed as private at the moment, which is Aston Villa Confessions. You, me and James Rushton got together at Hockey Social Club before the tour and we reacted to your your people watching this anonymous confessions which is a it's a good laugh that episode so that's ready to go if uh, nothing else happens between now and tuesday john thank you very much for your coverage thanks for your thank you. for your writing and the, the stuff that you've sent back for social media the videos and the clips and the photographs thank you for the three or four videos that we've done the podcast as well they've, they've all been very enjoyable for me and i hope that people are watching have, have enjoyed your uh, your insight and analysis as always into all things <laughs> Aston Villa and everything else going on <laughs> over there as well um, thanks everyone for watching our coverage of the US tour. Like I said, we'll be back on Tuesday with something fresh and then it'll be Lazio on Thursday and Valencia on Saturday and then we'll be building up to the Premier League season the week after as well with our big season preview and the like as per usual. It's been a pleasure, John. Thank you as always and we'll see you again on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>